Hello, and welcome to the Indie Nook. I'm your host, Blake McKean, and today, if you can believe it, I have more Citizen Sleeper-related topics to talk about. So today I'll be talking about the art book for Citizen Sleeper, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and Citizen Sleeper DLC. And when I get to the DLC, I will have a, a spoiler discussion, so I'll make sure to mark that clearly so you can click away. So to start off, I wanted to talk about the art book. Now, I didn't necessarily know that they made an art book for Citizen Sleeper, but I was browsing um, the internet <laughs> and found it on itch.io for $10. So I picked up the PDF version and I read it on my tablet. And honestly, I, I loved it. I would absolutely recommend this if you're a Citizen Sleeper fan. I guess it does have spoilers in the art book. Um, I mean, you get to see the characters um, and they kind of talk about, I guess, like the character evolution when they were creating them and um, different aspects of it. And actually getting to like see that, like the physical concepts um, of the character and how the character evolves, um, I, I thought it was super fascinating and I really loved that. So if you're a Citizen Sleeper fan, definitely took up the art book um, or, or definitely pick up the art book. And the evolution of the game through this book is just incredible. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I really liked seeing the concept for Erlen's Eye and just seeing how um, that started and, and where it ended up, I, I thought was fascinating. And I, I honestly, I, I really enjoyed seeing, um, you know, the different kinds of architecture that it started out. Um, and kind of where it was in the middle, and then kind of just starting to see it all kind of come together. Um, that was really cool and something that I thought was really interesting. Um, but one of the features that I thought was most interesting about the book um, is he, I guess, um, Gary Damian Martin um, talks about in, in, this, in the art book how he designed the movement on the station. So obviously, it's an isometric view. You're looking down at the station. He designed that around a mouse scroll. And I just thought that was really cool because I can see how, you know, using the mouse scroll to go from location to location um, would be really cool. And, and I played it on Switch. And I honestly, I thought that was the weakest part of the game was, you know, using the joystick to go up and down and <laughs> kind of scroll, um, you know, with the joystick to the different locations. It, it didn't feel great, but um, it didn't bother me. And just to know that that, you know, was designed around a mouse and the scroll of a mouse, I, th I just thought that was really cool. So I do feel like if you haven't played it um, and are, are interested in picking it up, maybe you should pick it up on Steam. That way you can get to, um, I guess, experience that aspect of it um, where you can scroll with the mouse. Which, you know, I kind of have two thoughts on it. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed playing it in bed on my Switch, um, and I thought that that was really fun. It kind of took up, like, nighttime reading. Um, so if you're if you're interested in that um, and want to play it at your desk or play it with a, a device that has a mouse um, wheel, I would definitely recommend that. Um, so I thought that was really cool, and just, like, learning about it um, was awesome. And again, yeah, that was $10 on itch.io, so definitely check out the art book if you're interested. And I guess I'll move on. Now, I guess it was two weeks ago, um, I went and I saw Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, 
um, in theaters, which I thought was really cool. I've personally never seen the film, and I guess, you know, obviously this is this is a Studio Ghibli film um, by Miyazaki, um, who's, you know, I guess a very well-known auteur, and I guess my, my history with these, these Studio Ghibli films is I really hadn't had much exposure, but I just, like, would see the concept art on, on Pinterest a lot, and I would, like, click on it and see what it was from, and be like, wow, like, I guess Studio Ghibli. And I, I guess it didn't really mean anything to me. I guess I don't. I don't really know how. Um, I, I grew up in in the late '90s and early 2000s. I guess I I just don't know how I missed it. Um, I don't know how I was never exposed um, to to Studio Ghibli films, but you know somehow I I wasn't. And I you I guess this past year I've I've seen three films. I saw the first one I saw was Princess Mononoke, um, which I really liked. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> that was a really fun film and a good introduction, I guess, to the films. And then I saw Porco Ro or Porco Rosso. I saw Porco Rosso um, <laughs> earlier in the summer, and I really, oh man, I really loved that. Hey, this is editing Blake here from the future. And really quick, um, before I get into Porco Rosso, I say um, that you play as in this. And I just wanted to clarify that this is a film. You watch this. Um, but I go on to say that I think it would make an incredible video game, and I'm surprised that there's nothing like it, or I haven't seen anything like it. So that was absolutely a Freudian slip, but just wanted to clarify that this is a film. Um, well, I guess back to it. I guess if you're unfamiliar, you're kind, you kind of play as like a, a bounty hunter that has a seaplane, and you kind of play in this, um, I guess this fantasy world where just like everybody has a seaplane, like there's seaplane pirates, and you get around on seaplanes, and I guess it's um, on these islands off the coast of Italy, and I, I just thought it was fascinating and like such a cool, I guess like concept for, for uh, a fantasy location. Um, and I, I wish that I wish there was a video game <laughs> um, that kind of took place in that similar setting. Like, like there's I know there's um, games that have like dog fighting, and I I just I, don't know, I think that would be such a cool I guess setting for a game. And I guess one of the um, I guess things about I guess Porco Rosso is that the character they have they have honor, so they don't necessarily um, shoot down the other seaplane pilots. He shoots the engines. So that gives them a chance to, to land, I guess. And I, <laughs> I I just thought that was really interesting. So I would love to, to see that in a game where maybe you you know, disable disable planes. But I mean, obviously, like the, just the setting of it and the place is, is really such a huge part of that film. So I think that would be like such a cool, like chill, cozy game, you know, just to be able to kind of fly around in uh, an environment like that. Um. And I guess that brings me to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And I guess that Miyazaki is releasing his last film um, later in the year. And I guess I, I don't really know when that is, so let me look that up. Hey, hey, this is Editing Blake here from the future. Um, turns out he's not retiring, and I guess he's announced his pending retirement uh, multiple times and has walked it back uh, every time, so... I guess he's not retiring, and I, I guess there's more to come. Uh, but <laughs> I guess back to it. Okay, 
So Miyazaki is releasing his last film, The Boy and the Heron, um, which is I guess he's I guess it's already um, released in Japan. It released released on July fourteenth, two thousand twenty three, and I guess this is uh, related to a nineteen thirty seven novel by the same name, and I guess it, the film is kind of inspired by by that. Um, so. And I, I guess the, I guess the, why this kind of made I guess headlines is obviously because it's, um, it, it's Miyazaki's uh, I guess last film, um, before he retires, um, but he decided not to release um, any trailers for it, and he I guess he kind of said that there's enough noise in the world that like, I don't need to be adding to it, um, which you know I think is I think is interesting, and. So I guess kind of just like in tandem with that, but also um, I don't know, just because it's a good time, I suppose it's it's in the zeitgeist. Um, they're they're having um, limited runs of a lot of Studio Ghibli's films nationwide, um, I guess here in America, and I I was able to to catch it on the last day, Nazica or Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, um, and I guess I'll link a, a website in the in the. Um, show descriptions on some of the other films that they're they're offering throughout the summer. Okay, so so I guess here are some of the films that I so I'll, I'll link the website and then I'll, I'll also link the um, the lineup. Uh, <laughs> I guess as it's um, called, and I guess it's called if you just want to look it up on your own. Studio Ghibli Fest 2023, and I think they've already shown um, a couple of them. Um, but I guess like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and Castle in the Sky and Kiki's Delivery Service, um, they've already shown. I think they've already shown My Neighbor Totoro and Ponyo as well, which I, I need to see those. Those are also on my, on my list. Um, so I guess from August 5th through August 9th, um, you can see Princess Mononoke in the theaters. And from August 20th through the 22nd, I'm sorry, this is August 20th and August 22nd, Porco Rosso, you can see that in films. From August 21st and 23rd, The Wind Rises. In, on September 23rd and 27th, Howl's Moving Castle. From October 28th through November 1st, Spirited Away. And I think those are the last five films that they are showing um, in theaters. So, very, very cool. I had never seen Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, and I honestly, I think it, I think it takes the top for me. I think of the ones I've seen, this one's probably my favorite. And it kind of takes place um, on Earth in, in the far future. It kind of seems it takes place thousands of years in the future from, um, from where we are today. And I don't know. The, I thought the film was really impactful. Obviously, I think you should see it for yourself, um, so I won't spoil it. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed the themes that it touches on. It kind of touches on, um, you know, some environmentalism and and how we treat our world today. And I I just I really enjoyed it. It had it had a very unique um, visual style and how it portrayed. Um, I guess woods and botany, and I, I really enjoyed that 
um, as well as bugs. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't like bugs per se. Actually, I would say I dislike bugs, um, but there are quite a few bugs um, in this, and it didn't didn't really set me off. Um, so if you are also a person that doesn't like bugs, um, it's it's probably not going to bother you. But there are some creepy bugs in <laughs> um, uh, in this movie, but I I think that it really it really aids the overall the overall film. So I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I thought it was awesome. But I did when I bought my tickets. I tried to buy. I, I guess I don't necessarily know if what I bought even existed. Um, but I thought I had bought English an English dub ticket. So I guess to where the the um, the film would be in English. But the the film was in Japanese. It, had, it was in Japanese dub with English subtitles. And I I didn't even notice. I kind of like when I first got there, I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is, um, yeah, I guess this is the Japanese dub. And after a minute, there was like a, I guess it kind of opens with some intense action. And after that, I didn't notice it until the end. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, I mean, that didn't really, didn't really affect my, my enjoyment at all. Um, but I guess I have done, um, I guess all the other Studio Ghibli um, films that I've seen, I've seen them in English, I guess the English dub, so maybe I'll try and see some of the other ones in, in the Japanese dub as well, um, but man, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I'm wondering now that I've, I've done this, and I also played, um, Ghost of Tsushima with the Japanese dub, I'm wondering if maybe I should branch out and try and do, um, I guess other other games in, in Japanese dub. So I guess we'll see. I guess I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, but yeah, I guess one last I guess one last thought on this because um, obviously I'm I'm not really going into spoilers. Um, but I thought there was, I mean I think you can draw a very clear comparison um, now that I've seen them from I guess both Princess Mononoke and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. I I think you can take those as both clear inspiration points for Tears of the Kingdom. And I, I think that, that that's really interesting. I guess you'll have to see both films um, for yourself. And I, I think once you do, I think the comparison uh, and inspiration will be fairly obvious. And I think that's interesting. I don't really have anything to say on that um, other than I noticed. Um, so maybe after I get further into Tears of the Kingdom, um, I guess I'll have more to say on that, perhaps. But... I guess the the depths of Tears of the Kingdom, um, I think, are very similar visually to, I guess, the forest in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And obviously, I guess, Link's arm um, is very similar to, um, I guess, the protagonist's arm in uh, Princess Mononoke. So, very interesting. I'm, I think I kind of want to get further into Tears of the Kingdom just to see if there's... Um, I guess any other comparisons um, that you could make, because I, I thought I think that's really interesting. Um, but anyways, go see these films for yourself, and if you've if you've never seen one, I I would recommend starting with Princess Mononoke. Um, but no, I think Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is my favorite that I've seen so far. Um, and yeah, it was just spectacular to see that in the theater. Um, so if you get a chance, or if any of the the films that you or any of the, the films that they still have coming to theaters um, that you'd like to see. I think it's absolutely worth it. Um, so check that out. 
Um, so I guess from here on in, <laughs> so I guess from here on out, I am going to be talking about um, DLC spoilers for Citizen Sleeper. Um, so if you're going to be leaving, thanks for checking out this episode of the Indie Nook. And if you're sticking around, let's get into it. Um, so, so the DLC, I guess it's a, I guess it's worth knowing it's a free DLC, and. I honestly, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I guess I'm going to keep the spoiler somewhat spoiler light. Um, I'm just going to touch on some of the broader themes um, and kind of what I thought about it. Um, so there's there's kind of, the, I guess the way that this um, DLC starts is um, you, you kind of run into two characters um, uh, around the greenway in, in Erlen's eye. And they're they're trying to get um, supplies for a flotilla of refugee ships that have landed um, and found themselves docked um, on Erlen's Eye, and I guess the government of the the Eye, or I guess I guess the the quote unquote government kind of gang um, faction, you could say, <clears throat> they're not letting the refugees on because um, they're worried about the the eye not having enough life support and, and water and I think they're also you know worried about about disease as well because they they're keeping the flotilla of refugee ships under a quarantine and I think that that's a really interesting place um, I guess that I think that's a really interesting idea for a DLC because there's you know obviously the space the space station in space and you know you're very clearly struggling to make you know, to carve out an existence here, and you kind of just happen to, to land here, and, you know, you're a refugee um, yourself in, in many senses of the way, or in many senses of the word, and just to kind of see how others, you know, have come here for sanctuary, and, and you know, in, in some ways you're kind of trapped here. I think that that's a really an interesting, um, you know, way to examine <laughs> um, how people end up where they're at. And you, you meet these two characters and are trying to get supplies. And if you continue on um, with the DLC and you continue to, to help them, um, they, they eventually ask you to help smuggle supplies to the flotilla. And, you know, this kind of causes like a conflict of interest. Um, or I guess, I'm sorry, it just causes a conflict as you know, you have to break this, the quarantine of, of the quasi-government. You know, in doing so, you, you kind of put a target on on your back. I mean, I, th I, I guess I'll, I won't spoil too much on, on kind of what happens, but once you kind of, um, I guess, get through, um, you know, there's an event, there's an explosion, um, and I think it, it just happens to be an accident. And the, I guess, the two sides... Um, I guess because of this explosion, the quarantine is kind of broken, and the refugees are able to get um, the supplies they need, and I think that a lot of residents of the Eye are, are wary of the refugees because they're, I think the question is, the underlying question is, what are they running from? Why, why did they leave where, where, they were, where they were from? And that is kind of, um, I guess, explained later on in the DLC. Um, but before you get to that, you know, you meet a whole host of, of new characters, and there's there's really three big um, flotilla ships, and they each come from the same system, and they each come from different 
um, economic classes. So, so there are three ships, and they each come from from different planets, and they were all they all went and colonized these these three planets, and they each have their own ecosystems, their own culture, and I guess how they all work together. Um, you know, they they kind of have a history. These these three planets and these three ships from these three planets, and it's really interesting because you try and help them, and just the the politics of of. Uh, of these people, and, and some of them are willing to, to I guess, let go um, of the past for, you know, for a brighter future, and there are some factions that, that are not, and, um, you know, there's obviously, there was some conflict between the three, um, and, and I guess just seeing how some of them are willing to, to put the past behind them, and, and the others not, is, is really interesting as well, and how that kind of works out, where they're, they're still all kind of stuck together in the moment, um, in, in this quarantine and, and how that ends, um, it, it is really interesting. And I guess you kind of learned that what they were running from was this disruption, um, this, um, kind of like an EMP blast that come, that came from out of nowhere and disrupted the systems. And you kind of learned that, um, if you do nothing, that the same thing is going to happen to the eye, and it's going to destroy the system, destroy the station, and it could kill everyone in in the station. So there's this um, this clock ticking down of the the pending, I guess, calamity that's coming, and it, it's really it's really a very intriguing DLC, um, and it it's a really cool story and really keeps you on your toes and it kind of turns out that the um th this disruption this emp um these blasts are coming from um, some kind of stargate I, I forget the term that they use in the dlc but it's a type of stargate and basically um the stargate allows um the transport of um, raw materials from one side of the universe to the other. So there, I guess, were, would be mining operations in, like, let's say, for example, there's a planet, um, you know, there's a settlement there, they can mine resources and then send it through the Stargate and it goes back to the, to, I guess, the core systems, as they call it. And um, I guess in this intergalactic society, that's kind of how, um, I guess, you know, the core um, worlds kind of rule, um, and have, I guess, a, a need for, for more raw materials. And, and there are, uh, I guess, settlers and expanders um, going out and extracting those raw materials and sending them back. And I guess that the, there's a corporation that has a claim on the eye. And they're doing this to disrupt the inhabitants. And it just so happened that these three planets uh, got caught in the crossfire of these, these EMP blasts, and, and they end up leaving, so the, the flotilla leaves before the pending doom, um, or I guess before the calamity, <laughs> and um, you're kind of left to save the eye. And there there is, of course, you, this through your choices, you could abandon the eye and go with the, um, the flotilla, um, but I decided to stay and try and save the eye. And you do save the eye, and it's, it's really interesting and kind of crazy how it how it all works out, and I really enjoyed the ending, um, 
and um, which I guess I'll, I'll keep for keep for you to play or for you to have your own thoughts on. But I, I really enjoyed the ending that I got, and when I I saw the the credits roll for the final time, I I do feel like a, a sense of finality, and I I feel like I'm done um, with Citizen Sleeper. Um, I I really have no desire to return to it. I I I found it incredibly fulfilling and rewarding, and I felt like it really um, tied everything up in a nice bow. So. I would absolutely recommend the DLC, and there's obviously there's so much left for you to discover um, outside of what I um, talked about. But man, I mean, what an incredible game! I, I think, <laughs> I don't think there's much more to say um, in terms of Citizen Sleepers. So I probably won't return to it um, on the indie nook for a while. But man, I mean, obviously, it had an, a huge impact on me um, for me to talk about it so much. Um, you know, in this format, but man, what what an incredible game! I'm just so excited for the sequel. But I also I I'm in no rush um, to play it, and I I do still find uh, myself thinking about it. As my I guess if I'm not doing anything, the intrusive thoughts will kind of come in, and I'll think about um, think about Citizen Sleeper, um, and you know Nazica or Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind as well. So both of these. Uh, I guess this film and and uh, in this game, they really, I mean, they were both both very unique, and they kind of, um, you know, find themselves um, coming back to me even days and and weeks even after I um, finished them. So, wow, just just incredible pieces of pieces of art, uh, and the art book as well. Um, obviously, the art book of Citizen Sleeper is absolutely worth picking up. I mean, ten dollars on itch.io. And it's like 20 pages and you just get some awesome art and get to kind of see more of the, the evolution of the characters um, as well as the evolution of the eye itself. So, man, absolutely um, um, an incredible, incredible pickup for $10. Go watch a Studio Ghibli film and check out the DLC um, if you're interested. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the Indie Nook. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you can find more of me um, and my co-host Brandon uh, um, of the Sticky Buns podcast if you're interested. Um, and, you know, I think we both stream as well. So there's plenty of us on the Internet. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>